I'm going to speak to you this morning about one of the most fascinating and uh, life-changing and spirit revelation passages in all the Bible. And as you, as you get into it, you'll see uh, how important it is for you and how important it is for the body of believers uh, in America and around the world. I'm going to speak to you today about bring back the glory. Bring back the glory. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was the heart of the worship of the Israelites. Everything revolved around the Ark of the Covenant. Because the Ark of God, as it was called, was the presence of God. Wherever the Ark was, God's presence was there. And it was so significant and so important to the Jewish people. In fact, when Solomon built the temple, they had a special place there in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, made out of acacia wood, a picture of the humanity of Jesus, covered with gold, a picture of the deity of Jesus. Above it, the mercy seat, a picture of the precious blood of Jesus and his death that would come on the cross. And then the cherubim who were there between uh, uh, over the ark. And so I cannot tell you how important it was. But however, there came a time when the ark was captured by the Philistines. And for a number of years, it was not with the people of God. It was captured by the Philistines. So I want us to read this. And it's, it's, about, it's a number of verses but it's really, it's like you could put this to, a, to, to a, a movie script. It is so captivating. So listen to what the Bible says. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. The Philistines were a godless, pagan, idol worship people. people. Uh, Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines put themselves in battle against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men in the ar- of the army in the field. And then it goes on and says, And when the people had come to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today? Before the Philistines. This is serious, I'm there saying. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant from shallow to us that when it comes among us, it may save us from the, the hand of our enemies. All right, we go on and read on. So, so the people sent to shallow that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. So here they bring it into the camp of the Israelites who'd been defeated by the Philistines the day before. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now the Philistines, when they heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout 
and the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood, the Philistines, that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the, and listen to this, I love it. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. And you read on. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods. And they, they uh, were, were talking in ignorance. But it, you could say the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong. And then this is what they said to themselves. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. All right? So the Philistines fought. Now, we got the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of God in the camp of Israel. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. My heavens. And every man fled to his tent. There was a great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. And, and also, now this is the part, also the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, they were priests, Hophni, Hophnia and Phinehas, died. So now Israel is dealt a devastating defeat. Eli, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, two, two of the priests were dead and they captured the Philistines did and had in their possession the ark of God and we read on in the next verse then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head <clears throat> now when he came there was Eli he's a was a pre the uh, priest, uh, the major priest. He was Hophni and Phineas were his sons. When they when he came, there was Eli sitting on the seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city, he told it about Israelite being defeated and the ark being captured. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. I. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the men came and quickly told Eli. Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were dim so that he could not see. The man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophnia and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. All right. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate. His neck was broken. And he died, for the man was old and heavy, 
And he had judged Israel for 40 years. Then it gets very, very interesting. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the the women stood by her and said, Do not fear, you have born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod. Now what in the world does that mean? Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been kept captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. You know, it's a serious thing. When the glory of God departs. I'm telling you. And now that the Philistines had the ark of God. That, that, that Israel realized. Huh, that they didn't have the presence of God in their midst. And they did not have the glory of God in their midst. That Ichabod. The glory has departed. Had been written over those people. Well. Well what was. What did they do? When the ark of God was stolen and the glory of God had departed from them, what did they do? Well, this is is alarming. This was still the days of Saul. You know, Saul was ruling and it was the days of Saul. And I want you to listen to what they did in 1 Chronicles 13, 3 and 4. It says, "Let let us bring the ark of our God back to us. So that's good. They said, listen, the glory's departed. God's not among us in power. So let, let's bring the ark back. Let's bring the ark of God back. For we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. Now look, I don't know how long it had been since the ark had been gone. I don't know how long it had been since the glory of God had departed. But I know this, it had been a, 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 a long time. But you know what? They really weren't concerned about it. They didn't even talk about it. You know what it was? They just went on like the ark of God was still there. They just went on like the glory of God was still present among them. They said, man, we need to go get the ark. We hadn't even inquired about it since the days of Saul. You know what they did? They went on making their sacrifices. They went on having their ceremonies. They went on having their worship. They went on with their religious life. But there was just one problem. Written over it all was Ichabod. The glory has departed. The glory has departed. You know what? They they were practicing a lifeless religion. Because when the glory of God departs a place, when the glory of God departs a life, when the presence of God is no longer in their midst, all you have is death. All you have is death. And so here they were, just being as religious as they had ever been. But just one problem. Ichabod was written over, them, over their lives and written over their religion. The glory of God 
had departed. Does that not remind you of, of the religious scene in America today? Does that not remind you? We still have our big buildings. We still gather on Sundays. And there's still, from every kind of denomination there is, but the problem, most of them have gotten to the place of being liberal in their theology. They deny the complete authority of the Scripture. They deny that Jesus is the only way of salvation. They deny that the blood of Christ was what purchased and paid for our sins. And, and so guess what's happened to, to religious people who do not believe in the authority of the Word of God and who are liberal and who do not believe Jesus is the only way to be saved? What happens to them? i tell you what happens to them. They still have their buildings, but I can hear the Word when God says over that building, Ichabod, Ichabod, the glory has departed. What a tragedy. It's called lifeless religion. And all lifeless religion does is produce death. You know, I'll tell you as a Christian, when Jesus Christ comes to live in you and you're born of the Spirit of God, He will never leave you. But there can come a time in your life when you disobey God and don't repent and when you go your own way and don't follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it could be that God might write over your life the glory has departed. But you keep right on in your religious life. You keep right on coming to church. You keep right on doing, reading your Bible. Right on, But somehow or another, you don't sense the presence. I'm not talking about an emotion. You don't sense the presence and power of God. And it's almost like you're in a desert. And it's almost like written over your head is Ichabod. The glory has departed. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You know, Christianity, talk, the, 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 when you speak of the Christian life, it speaks about joy and peace and inner strength. Uh, that's the inside. It speaks of gentleness and kindness and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. It is sad. It is sad when the glory departs. It is sad when Ichabod is written over any church or any individual. It is a sad day. But the thing that troubled me, that Israel was content to live without the glory of God. God have mercy. God have mercy. Nothing is more lifeless than that. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just take it on over to our nation. You America's crossed the line many times. We crossed the line when we took prayer out of schools. We crossed the line when we legalized abortion. We crossed the line when we uh, made state laws at, about homosexual or lesbian relationships. And we really crossed the line when five ungodly judges made it possible for same-sex people to be married. Let, let me tell you something. I want you to know something. Uh, we took private school. Let me tell you something. The glory of God can depart from a church. And the glory of God can depart from an individual. But the glory of God can depart from a nation. And there's a cloud over this nation. It's a cloud of lying, a cloud of deceit, a cloud of sexual perversion, a cloud of sexual immorality, a cloud of greed. And I'm telling you, I mean, I, I think of this nation, and all I can think is Ichabod. Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. You know, I, I thought of two things. You know, we wonder why there's so much violence in school. 
these mass school shootings. It didn't happen until we took even silent prayer out of schools. You know, they said, okay, you can pray out loud, but you can pray silently. Then say that you can't pray silently because it may offend the person beside you. Can I make one statement? That is ungodly and stupid. That's all I got to say. And God departed. Well, well, why in the world's all this shooting started in Colorado? Why is it going on now? And why, why are we having all this violence in the school? Would you listen to me? The glory of God has departed. You know, we had never been attacked by an outside enemy. And here come the two planes flying into twin towers. And soon they crumbled and fell to the ground in an ash heap the center of the miracle financial capital and all that kind of stuff. And we said, where was God? Where was God? Well, he wasn't around because you'd already put him out of schools and you said he couldn't have the Ten Commandments in any of the buildings. So you, you asked him to leave. So guess what? He, he departed and glory has departed. We wonder where God is. i tell you where he is. He's written Ichabod. But the main thing I want you to understand in your own life you better be sure that the glory is still there. I mean, you're saved, but you haven't left your first love, which is Jesus. You haven't lost the joy of your salvation, which is Jesus. He's still at the center of your life. If he's not, you can go through the motions, friend. You can go through the motions. But I'm going to tell you something. That is hard when the glory has departed. But... The story doesn't end there. Saul gets off the scene. And in chapter 14 of Samuel, of Chronicles, in chapter 14 of, of uh, Second Chronicles, it talks about David defeating the Philistines, okay? He's defeated them. He's defeated them. Now, here's the problem. All right, so uh, David decided... All right, now we, we're going to go and we're going to go and we're going to bring back the ark. We're going to go and bring back the ark. So there were not only the days of Saul, but there was a desire of David. And, 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 and we read in 1 Chronicles 13, 3 and 4, what, what David, uh, D- David said. 1 Chronicles 13, 3 and 4. And, uh, and it says, and let us. Bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. And then in the next verse, listen to the response of the people. Then all the assembly said that they would do so. Yes, let's bring God's glory back. Let's bring back the ark of God. And this was right in the eyes of the people. So they get ready to go down and bring back the ark. And then over in verses 6 through 8 of 1 Chronicles 13. And David and all Israel went up to Bala, to kirith Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So they brought the ark from uh, Shiloh, and they carried the ark of God, uh, and they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. It had, the, 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 uh, the presence of God had been so hard on the Philistines, their gods were falling over and breaking up into pieces. They couldn't handle the pre- living God, so they just got rid of him. They said, if we don't get him, they had balls all over them, and their idols fell to the ground and broke. They said, hey, we, we can't take this, man. 
I mean, God's judgment was all over him. So they got rid of him, and he had been in the, uh, the, uh, the ark of God, uh, uh, had been in the house of Abinadab. Uh, uh, they brought the new, uh, ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Now, notice what they did. Benda had the right desire. We are tired of lifeless religion. We're tired of no joy and no peace and no, no awesome presence of the living God. We're tired of it. Let's go bring back the ark of God. Let's bring back the glory of God. And so they had a novel idea. What we'll do is we'll just get us a, a new cart, a new cart. I, I mean, I guarantee you it was probably a beautiful cart. Oh, they probably had it painted, you know, and it had dual mufflers and all that stuff. Well, they didn't have cars in that time. Maybe he had a... But anyway, they went. And so here they are bringing the ark of God back on a new cart. Well, they get to the uh, floor of Shedon. Uh, and, uh, oh, by the way, let me look what they were doing when they were bringing the ark back on the new cart. It says, then David and all Israel. Can you imagine? They were bringing back the glory. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And David was twirling and just dancing before God, just twirling. I mean, they were celebrating the fact that God was going to come back into the camp of Israel. And so they were just, but, but, but when they came to Shidon's threshing floor, get this, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. And look what happened. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And he struck him dead because he put his hand to the ark. And he died there before God. You see, you know why God struck him dead. Because no human hand, you know, only the high priest could uh, have anything to do with the ark. And I guess they'd gotten so familiar with the ark being gone They've forgotten how holy it was and how it re represented the, the presence of holy God. And Uzzah just tried to keep it from falling off that cart. But God struck him dead on the spot. Well, buddy, that shook David up. He said, now here I am trying to bring back the ark of God. And now God's killing uh, Uzzah. He said, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, they call that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And now listen to what David did. David was afraid of God that day. Whew. It's not bad to have the fear of God. Maybe we wouldn't do some of the things we do if we had the fear of God. And David was afraid of God that day saying, How can I bring back the ark of God to me? How in the world am I going to get it back to the city of David? So when you, when you kill an Uzzah, so David would not move the ark. He wouldn't move it with him to the city of David. But he took it aside to the house of Odeb-Edom, Odeb -Edom, uh, the, the Gittite. And it remained in his house for three months. Well, so they didn't get it back. They didn't get it back. And so for three months. Well, then David had uh, defeated the Philistines. And David realized why they get, didn't get it back. God showed him. And then you turn over in chapter 15 of Second Chronicles. Now, this is how 
Oh, by the way, before I go there, let me say one thing. His desire to bring back the ark of God was the right desire. But you know what? He should have checked with God to see how you're supposed to do it. So no, he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to check with God's word. I'm not going to check with it. I'll I, I just, I'll do it man's way. So he said, I'm going to get a new card. Now that was pretty impressive, you know. There wasn't any other religious groups around that had a new card. So he said, I'm going to get a new card. You know what? We need to see the glory of God come back to America. Amen? We need to see the glory of God come back to this church. We need to see the glory of God come back to all the beloved Christian brothers and sisters across America. We need to see the glory of God back. We need to see the presence of God back. So the world says, well, this is how you bring the glory back. You've got to get some new cards. No, what we need to do is read the Word of God, and God will tell us how to bring the ark back. But, oh, no, we're smarter than God. So we, we, we come up with all these new carts that we're going to use to bring the glory of God back. And the most devastating is seeker-friendly religion. That's what it is, seeker-friendly religion. Now, let's make the gospel where when people come, they feel so welcome, and we, don't, we won't say anything to offend them. You can't preach the gospel without offending people. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Paul talked about the offense of the cross. So a person comes in and you say, well, let me tell you, the Bible says you're a wicked sinner and your wicked sinner has separated you from God. And then unless you can repent of your sins and receive the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be separated from him forever and you'll die and go to hell. Well, you know, no, that's not seeker friendly. No, they, and, 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 and especially you don't want to talk about the blood of Christ because they don't understand it. Have you ever not heard that the Holy Spirit can help them to understand it? And so we, we, what we've done, we've watered down the gospel to make it acceptable to the world. And it becomes acceptable to those who come in and they never get even close to getting saved. How many times have you heard a, a television preacher really hammer down on sin? Really? The message is, I'm okay and you okay. You do good and God will do good to you and you get a Rolex and a new house. You know that's right. One, one of the big TV preachers said he built an $11 million home because how could he tell people that God wanted to prosper them if he wasn't prospered and he wanted them to show him that he was prospered. So it was just him and his wife and they built an $11 million home. Ichabod, the glory has departed. So you see, we try every way now to bring the glory of God back. But the ways of this world will never bring God back. The glory of God back. We've got to go back to the manual. We've got to go back to the manual. And the manual is the word of God. And the word of God tells us how to bring back the glory. Oh, the word of God. David had the right desire, but he had the wrong method. He used, he used the method of the world. Oh, we're great in advertising, the churches are, and we and we got strobe lights, and we've got all these lights coming back and forth, and we got artificial smoke, you know, and, and, and the music's so loud you have to get a hearing aid so you won't hear it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It sounds like the world to me. You say, Brother Fred, you're the most negative preacher I've ever heard. I am not negative. I'm just telling you the truth. I know the truth. I've been around here for 80 years, and I know what's true, and I know what's not true. 
And I know what God blesses and I know what God doesn't bless. And I have seen the glory of God. I have experienced it, and I think we do here occasionally. So I know what's real and what's not real. Not that I'm smart because I've been there and I've been in the middle of it. But I'm telling you, this, the religious world in America will never bring back the glory of God using the methods of the world. It'll never happen. They've got to go back to the Word of God, and the glory of God will only ever bring brought back when we do it God's way by the Word of God. There is absolutely no other way. Well, so David finally woke up and said, well, are we going to do it different this time? Uh, he said, we're going to bring back the ark God's way. And, and look over in uh, uh, where he, uh, in, 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 in uh, First Chronicles again. Uh, 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 no, let me see. Yeah, it, it is First Chronicles 13. He's going to bring it back God's way. And uh, you, uh, all right, First Chronicles 15, 1. Here it is. So he's ready to, he said, right, now we're going we're gonna to do it right this time. David built houses for himself in the city of David. Now listen to this. He prepared a place for the ark of God. Oh, we're going to bring it back. And the glory of God's coming back. And we're going to prepare a place for it. So he prepared a place for the ark. And he pitched a tent for it. All right, and then he goes on. And now, boy, this is where he got it right. No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. Oh, God had told them how to bring the ark back. God had told them how to move the ark. And David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him. Somebody gave me a... A, a, a small replica of the Ark of the Covenant, and then they had the poles going down through the side of it, and you and and to be uh, two of the Levites and priests on one end with it on their shoulders, and two on the back end, and the Levites they would carry it through the uh, the care of the Ark. That's what they did when they crossed the Jordan River. The priests went ahead with the Ark of God, and God opened not only the Red Sea but the Jordan River. And David said, "Hey, we did it wrong the first time." No wonder God's glory didn't come back. No wonder he struck Uzzah. He said, because we did not do it the right way. So he prepared a place for the ark, and he decided that he was going to follow the word of God. So David gathered all Israel together in, at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place when he had prepared it. All right? Then we go on down, and, and, and we say this. Okay. So they go, they, they, they go to get the, uh, the ark. They go to get it. And they put it on the shoulders of the Levites. And they're doing it just exactly the way they ought to do it. And they're bringing the ark of God back. And they brought it back and put it to the house. And, and by the way, when they brought it back, uh, boy, they were having a time. Because they did it the right way. And they had the, 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 all those people, the, the, the cymbals, the tambourines, and all this kind of stuff. And they all were dressed in white linen. And they were all, and David was, they were all dancing. And David was dancing out in front of him. And he wasn't being very dignified. He was not being very dignified. And, and, and his wife, Miriam, who was the daughter of Saul, saw David out there twirling around and dancing. 
and 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 and, and evidently it, it, he showed too much of, too much of his legs. I don't know what it was, but he was that. And boy, she got upset with him and said, "You were out there making a fool out of yourself, dancing like that and twirling in front of all those people, and all them women saw you dancing." And she said that was wrong. And David said, "I was only doing what God was celebrating, bringing the glory of God back." And you know what he said about Miriam? For the rest of her life, she was barren. She was barren. God judged her for judging the man of God because he was showing his joy and emotions and excitement over bringing back the glory of God. Man, but anyway, uh, they got it back and got it in place. And boy, I'll tell you, read the next chapters. I mean, the glory of God comes down on Israel. But now I want to ask you a question. And this is the heart of my message. And I'll conclude with this. What is God's way for us to bring back the glory, his presence, in our own personal lives? You say, Brother Fred, I'm still experiencing the glory of God. He is my first love. I have joy. I have peace. Oh, I have troubles at times. Times I get discouraged. But I'm telling you, it is the presence of God in my life that gives me life. It is the glory of God in my life that enables me to live every day. It is the fact that Jesus lives in me and that he is my first love and I focus my eyes on him and that, that it's, it's Christ that enables me to do it. And I, I've not lost the glory. I say glory to God. And, and, and I, I'm not, Ichabod's not over my life. Praise the Lord. But if it is, and what if it's over a, a church? Over a church. Now I'm going to say something that's kind of hard. But I, I believe it's true. I preach in enough churches uh, all over this nation. And I, I ain't bragging. I'm just telling you what I've done. I've been in little churches. And there's no church little if God's present. Amen. Amen. God doesn't judge a church by its size. That's, that's a falsehood. But there were some churches that it was like a brick wall. And I'm telling you, um, they had sinned against God. Many times they'd sinned against God in a number of ways. And they had never repented. And I knew the cases of where they had treated people wrong. And where they had, not, they had sinned against God. I knew that. Well, then guess what? You think God was going to hang around people that got sin in their life and won't repent? How does he do believers who have sin in their life and don't repent? He chastens them and does whatever he has to do to bring them back to God. However, sometimes churches as a corporate group, that they won't repent of the way they treated people in the past. They will not do that. And, 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 and it was sin. And so you go in there and, and you say, where's God at? Where's God at? They need to name the, change the name of the church to Ichabod. That's what they need to change it to because the glory has departed. You know, Southern Baptists brag of that we've got 40,000 churches. God help us. 40,000. 80% of them, which a lot of them are in rural areas, run less than 100. Well, that's if you get 100 there, praise God, preach like it's 25,000. Because if, if one person gets saved, it's worth it. But you go in some churches and the same group of people have controlled it for the last 10 years. It's their church. It's their church. And, 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 and nothing happens, nothing happens. You can preach your heart out. But you know, just one thing. 
unless somebody in there repents, unless somebody in that church leads them in getting right with God, ain't nothing going to happen because Ichabod has been written over it. I'm just telling you right now. Preachers called me and asked me, do you think I ought to go to so-and-so church? I said, no, don't you go. Because they've sinned and they've not repented. And God's written Ichabod over it. And if you want to go over there and pastor a dead church, you go ahead and go. man called me the other day and asked me if I have anybody to recommend to a church that ran $1,500 and a $9 million budget. But I knew that the last four or five pastors had left after three years. And I knew that it wasn't, God wasn't impressed with their money. And God was not impressed with their numbers. God has written Ichabod. The glory has departed. Oh, yeah. I, I have not recommended anybody, and I ain't going to recommend anybody because it's lifeless. It's lifeless. So how do you get the glory of God back in your life and the glory of God back in the church? I'm going to tell you how you do it. It's, it God has given us the formula in Second Chronicles 7.14. Here it is. If my people... You read this with me off the screen. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, what's hard about that to understand? Oh, no, Brother Fred, we got to get a new cart. We got a new cart. It's a different culture. We got to do it the world's way. I'm telling you, baloney. That's all I can say It's baloney. That's a Greek word for baloney. But anyway, uh-uh. Listen, it says here, if my people will humble themselves. You know what that means? We admit our need. The, the, the church at Laodicea said, it was lukewarm. We're rich, increased with goods, and need nothing. And God said, oh, no, you're poor naked and blind, just the opposite. If a church says we don't need anything, we got a nice building, we got plenty of money, we got good attendance, we don't need anything, God's going to write Ichabod over it pretty quick because that's pride, P-R-I-D-E, pride. And humility is God, we are a needy people. We are a needy people, Lord. God, we are so desperately needy. Lord, we just, we're so needy, and we are. We're needy, Lord. And God, we want to confess today that only you can meet our needs. Lord, we're not self-sufficient. We're not. We're not self-sufficient. We're God-sufficient. Lord, we can't live the Christian life in our own power. It is only by your power that we live the Christian life. Dear God, we're a needy people, I'm telling you. And Lord, only you can meet our needs. We're not looking to the world. We're not looking for a new cart. We're looking to you, O oh God. We humble ourselves, for we are poor and needy. And you need, O oh God, to have mercy on us and visit us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And the next two I put together. Pray and seek my face. You know the, what the first thing you need to do when you feel dry spiritually? You just feel dry. If you feel like the heavens are sealed and you feel like God's not speaking to you and he's not hearing you when you pray and you know something's not right, you know, you don't, God will show you, but you just know that the glory 
the joy and the peace and the presence of God, not an emotion, but a reality, is not the same. Then what you do is you cry out to God. You pray. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. What a church needs to do, every church needs to do, is cry out to God. Dear God, we need you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your glory. Lord, we can't go on. We're not interested in being here if you're not here. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And then he said, seek my face. You know what we all do? I'm guilty just like you are. We seek the hand of God. God, do this for me and do that for me. And God, do this for me. And God, do that for me. And God, do this for my family. Now, let me tell you something. God welcomes you to ask. He said, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. But if all you ever seek is the hand of God, you're just wanting God to be somebody that will give you what you need anytime you want it. But what you need to do is seek the face of God. It didn't say here, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my hand. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, seek my face. Seek to get to know me as I really am. Know me in my great love and my great mercy and my great grace. Know me in my awesome holiness, which we sing about today. And know that I've called you to live a holy life. Oh, listen, when, when, when the heavens seem to be sealed and when God seems to be silent, that's when you need to cry out to God. Well, you need to do it every day, but you need to seek God's face. And I mean seek his face, not his hand, but his face. We need to say, Lord, cause your face to shine upon me. Cause your face to shine upon me. Israel used to use that as a benediction and blessing every time they would close. But we need to seek the face of God. If my people will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. That's called repentance. It's called repentance. You know, confession of sin means for a believer that you agree with God that it's a sin. Now, this culture has changed the de definition of sin. But I got news for you. God has never changed. The Bible has never changed the definition of sin. It's the same. It's the same. The wages of sin is death. So the culture has changed. Uh, well, that's not a sin. Uh, the lady who lost the election, and I know you don't remember who it was, she said, now we need to take those hard places, hard, hard parts of the Bible out. We need to take them out of the Bible. <laughs> My Lord, who does she think she is? God number two? <laughs> Make the hard places out of the Bible. No, you better read the hard places and repent. And so he said, turn from your wicked ways. And he means exactly that, that you turn from your wicked ways. And that's called holiness. That's called living above the culture of this world. You said, Brother Fred, you're preaching to people in church. I know I am. And I'm in here too. And I know sometimes we just have to flat turn from our wicked ways. It's called repentance. Listen, we don't need a new card. If we would just do what God said, we would see heaven open 
And the glory of God return like it never before. And the presence of God be greater than ever before. And people would repent. And people would be saved. And people would be, families and marriages would be restored. Listen, we don't need the world's ways and the world's methods. I'm telling you, you can draw a crowd, but you can draw a crowd for a circus. I am telling you, it's not about a crowd. Oh, that that, that church has 10,000 people. But the presence of God isn't there. You say that's not possible. The model, the model for the seeker-friendly churches was Bill Howells. And he later admitted that he had misled his people and that he had not discipled them and they didn't know one thing about the Word of God. And, and by the way, he was uh, forced to resign from his church this last week. I'm not going to tell you why, but I'm telling you, but he was the model most of the young preachers modeled themselves after. God have mercy on their souls is all I can say. All we need to do is realize the glory has departed and then cry out to God. I'm humbling myself. I'm praying. I'm seeking your face, Lord. I'm turning from my wicked ways. Oh, Lord, bring back the glory. Bring back the glory in my life, Lord. Bring back the glory to Luke 418 Church. Bring back the glory to the churches in Mobile, Alabama that believe the Word of God and believe Jesus is the only way. Lord, bring back the glory to your people. And guess what? We'll be light and we'll be salt. Right now, we've got the light under a bushel and the salt has lost its saltiness. But I'll tell you one thing. If we, when the glory of God come back, comes back, The light won't be under a bushel. It'll be shining into the darkness and they'll be as mad as, I'm not going to say that word, but they're going to be mad because the light disturbs their darkness and the salt irritates their ungodly lifestyle. Lord, bring back the glory. Lord, bring back the glory in my life 